this morning. We thank you for the man of God, Vincent Skinner. We thank you, Lord God, for the anointing upon his life. We thank you, Lord, that you've sent him here. But Lord, right now we pray that you would just flow through him so beautifully and anoint the house and every single heart. And the saints say, and the saints say, let's give it up for Vincent. Come on, Vincent. God bless you, good buddy. Yeah, let's really give it up. Let's really give him a Central Coast welcome. Thank you, mighty man. Awesome, awesome. Good stuff, good stuff. Thank yeah, you, Jesus. Right. Just raise your hands one more time, shall we? Father, we thank you that you are awesome. You are amazing. You are wonderful. And you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus. He came, he demonstrated the kingdom, he gave his life. But Lord, we thank you that Jesus did not stay dead in the grave. He rose again, and he rose with our victory, with, 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 with hope burning in his heart for mankind. And so Holy Spirit, we, we just truly welcome you here this morning to this church, to our lives. And we ask you to come and to touch people with your power, with the anointing. Heal bodies. Give people encounters with you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Come on, just everybody in this place, just say, Holy Spirit, you're so welcome. So welcome. There's no one like you. And I'm so hungry. I'm so thirsty. So desperate for your touch. Yeah, let's just sing that. Tell somebody, today's your day. The Holy Spirit is going to touch your life. Tell, tell one or two people that. Today's your day. Hallelujah! Yeah. Come on, we are the people of God. <laughs> it's so good to be with you this morning. Thank you, guys. It's so good to be with you this, this morning. Um, if you had me on Friday, I was looking much, much worse than I am now. <laughs> Jet lag is a funny thing. When you, when you say something, you forget what you've said, and that's not good for preaching, you know. But it's good to be with you. And uh, I want us to turn to Exodus chapter 33. 
Verse 13, it's a, it's a prayer that Moses prayed. How many of you know who Moses is? He's the Ten Commandment guy, remember him? And he prays a prayer that is actually very similar to prayers we pray today. So in verse 13 of Exodus chapter 33, it says, this is Moses, it says, Now therefore, Lord, I pray, if I have found favor in your sight. Now I like that statement. you know why? Because today we know we already have God's acceptance. We already know that through Jesus Christ, through His shed blood, that we can approach God boldly, knowing we will not be turned away. Come on. Come on, is that true? I've got some Christians in the house. Come on, isn't it true? We don't have to come to the Lord and say, Oh God, do you love me? Lord, do you want to touch me with your presence, with your anointing? Jesus, is it your will to heal? Is it your... We don't have... that. I mean, we already have the answer to that prayer. Come on, is that not the truth? So Moses says, Lord, if I've found favor, son, and all the Christians of the New Testament say, praise God, we got it. So, but I pray, I want to know your ways. In other words, the prayer goes like this. God, I want to know you. How many of you have prayed that prayer? Don't you like Moses? I mean, he is before his time. He says, Lord, I want to know you. I want your favor. I want to know you. But the interesting thing is, is how God answers Moses. In verse 14, the Lord says to him, my presence. Isn't that interesting? My presence will go with you. So Moses says, I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you. I want to know what pleases you. I want to know what, what, what you don't like. I want to know what moves you. I want to know what draws you. And God says, Moses, you will know me in my presence. That's an interesting statement. But here's the thing about the presence of God. How many of you have ever experienced the presence of God? You can't just wave your hand. Good, good. We're in good company. Here's the thing about the presence of God. You know, when I went to Bible school 20-odd years ago, or maybe more, 23 years ago, they taught me this big word that I thought they were trying to teach me to speak in tongues. And it went like this. It was all those omnipresent, omni this, omni that, and I thought, what? And it basically, it basically means, omnipresent means that God is everywhere. Do you agree? But here's the thing, we do know God is everywhere, we do know He's all-powerful, we do know he, that He knows everything, and, and He sees all. But the thing about the presence of God is that the manifest presence of God is not everywhere. And so what we're talking about, what I believe the Lord's talking about here, because if you look at the original, when God said, my presence will go with you, he, it, it goes something like this, the moving of my spirit will go with you. You know, because, you know, I, go, I, I preach a lot in Europe, and there in Europe they got all these liturgical churches, and they got all these, 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 you know, and they go into church and they light a candle. And then they say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit is here now. I have a problem with that, because why can I then blow the candle out? So I mess with them and I blow candles out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, hey, we don't want symbolic stuff. We don't want like, oh, let's light the candle, okay, the Holy Spirit. No. We want to be the candle. 
We want, the, we want the reality of the person, of the manifest presence of God. And that's what Moses, that was the answer that Moses got when he said, God, I want to know you. So as believers, we should hunger, we should have something in us. I love, you all know Smith Wigglesworth, most people know him, eh? In fact, he, I know he came to Australia and it was part, he did a big revival here. Anyway, he, I love his statement because he says, I am satisfied with being unsatisfied. Yeah. You get that? Man, I'm satisfied with being unsatisfied. I mean, what can trump the experience of the, of the manifest presence of God going through your body, filling your mind, your emotions, your life? What is better than that? You all agree? Yeah. Hallelujah. I mean, I could stop right there, Phil. I want to know, I want to know you, God. <laughs> I feel him on me right there, actually. I just want to stop now. But you know, the thing about the presence of God, the thing about the Holy Spirit is that when He comes, He always comes with power and he always comes with intimacy. It's joined. And with the people of God, when we say, Lord, I want to know you, and he says, my presence, the Holy Spirit is who he is. He cannot deny himself. He's, I like to say, he's naturally supernatural. What we find like, man, that's awesome. Look what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit says, that's just who I am. You know? But in him, we find intimacy. We see he reveals Jesus. He reveals the Father. You know what I mean? But he also demonstrates the Father. And he demonstrates Jesus. And so it's always with power. People sometimes say, well, how do you know that God is there? I'll tell you how you know God is in a place. Something always will happen. Go on. Isn't that true? If you have to take a, 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 a ten questionnaire on a page, and maybe if you get six out of ten, then he's there, then he probably, I mean, I, I, I question it. Because if he's there and, he's, and he moves, something will always happen. Because that's who he is. He demonstrates who Jesus is. I better move on. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is a good guy. His name is Paul. Maybe you know him, Paul the Apostle. Have you heard of him? <laughs> Wrote most of the New Testament. He was one of the most learned men of his time. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. In other words, he was the guy that taught the Pharisees how to be Pharisees. That, this is Paul, okay? In other words, he could really come and teach the Bible in Greek and Hebrew and whatever else. I mean, he could make it so... Have you ever been to church where you walk away from the church and they made it so complicated that when you walked away you thought, what the heck were they talking about? I mean, there's just like confusion all over your face, but you know something was said. <laughs> you know, Paul could have done that. But here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, this is Paul speaking, he said, For I determined to know... Nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I mean, this is Paul, learned guy. He says, I, I, ref I, I refuse to know anything save Jesus Christ and the power of His resurrection. Then I like verse 3. I was with you in weakness 
and in fear and in much trembling. And when I read that, I said, hold on, Paul, aren't you the man of faith? Aren't you the guy that went out and planted all the churches out of Antioch into all the, the regions? You preached before all these famous and well and important people of the day, miracles and all that. And now you're telling me you were with us in weakness and fear and much trembling? We better scratch that scripture right out of the Bible. But you see, that's what I like about Paul. Paul did not come with us with an S tattooed on his chest for super. He came, here I am, I'm Paul. And in fact, even, there's even writings that you read that Paul says, look, when I was with you, I wasn't very impressive. In fact, my, my preaching, my speaking was bad. That's what he, what he said. He said, but my writing, my hand, my, what, my letters, they were impressive. So if Paul was around today, you'd probably think, Jesus, this Paul, he's, he's a little bit overrated. Look at him, he's, he can't even speak. But he said that himself. But, he's, but he, he wasn't afraid to reveal his humanity. The problem in a lot of the church today is many are afraid to reveal, just to be who they are. Let their weakness be there. Who cares? It's only when you hide your weakness that you have to protect it and you have to build the wall and it's hard work. Yeah? And my message and my preaching, I like this, was not in persuasive words of wisdom. He could have. But rather in the demonstration of the Spirit and power so that your faith would not rest upon the wisdom of a man, but that your faith would rest and be rooted and grounded in the power of God. Come on. Man cannot heal you. I cannot heal you. I can do nothing for you. But get the power of God, yeah, things are possible. Hallelujah. I like that. So that your faith would not rest on man's wisdom, but your faith would rest in the power of God because He is the one that is more than able to do the things we hope for. He's more than able. That's why I like God. Don't you? See, many people, they love God, but they don't like Him. It's true. You know what the difference is? You tell people, Jesus loves you. They say, yes, I know. Because they've been taught, Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me so. From you know. Yeah, we have to love God. Absolutely, God loves us. But when Jesus comes along and says, hey, I like you, that's a big difference. Because if you tell somebody, I like you, it means you want to be with them. You like to spend time with them. Some, some uh, couples, husband and wives, they are in love, but they've fallen out of like. They can't live without each other, but they hate each other's guts. They don't like each other anymore. There's no more attraction or this, this adventure of like, man, I need to know this person. You know, the day your husband or your wife becomes the person and there's no more than adventure. Like, I've got to figure this person out. Or mystery. There's the sense of mystery. 
because you want to be with somebody if they are a mystery. You want to you want to find out. You're interested. You want to be there. You want to search it out. So many of us we love God, but we don't like to be around Him for many reasons. What's He going to tell us to do? What's He going to get us to do? <laughs> Come on, isn't that true? But here's the thing. <laughs> anyway. Praise God. Let's turn to Luke chapter 18. The story of blind Bartimaeus. He's one of my heroes. Luke chapter 18, verse 35. Whom you know the story of Bartimaeus? Starts out as Jesus was approaching Jericho. A blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now, what is Jericho? What is the history of Jericho? Jericho was the city that was fortified. Remember, it was the first city when they went into the promised land and God told Joshua, look, you've got to walk around it and eventually the walls came down. So Jericho can signify an issue in our life, a need in our life. Maybe we're sick. Maybe we need a breakthrough in finances. Whatever it might be, it's at Jericho. But it's interesting, Bartimaeus is on the side of the road begging. He's a blind man and he's there and he probably was set down at that place every day by his friends or maybe he lived close by, who knows. And he begged every day. It was his only means of survival. Unfortunately, many of us, we are kind of like blind Bartimaeus. Because we've got our Jericho, we've got our problems, we've got our things, but we're at the road and we're just, we're just taking the scraps, we're just taking whatever we can get. We're hoping something good happens one day to us. And so we live off the little bits, we live off the scraps, we live off the pieces that falls to the side. Yeah? But one day, verse 36, he heard a crowd going by and he began to ask, what this might be. And they said to him, Jesus of Nazareth is about to pass you by. Now here's one thing I want to tell you about Bartimaeus. He was blind, but he was not deaf. Now here's the other thing I want to tell you about Jesus. Jesus had a reputation. So yeah, you can imagine Bartimaeus begging every day, and he's hearing the people in the street talking during the weeks, months, or however long he's out there. And they talk, man, there's, and they, he hears him saying, man, there's this guy. He's from Nazareth. His name is Jesus. <laughs> Man, he fed, we can't believe it, he fed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a few fishes. Can you believe it? And maybe there's a week's went by, you heard another guy say, Man, the same Jesus. This Jesus from Nazareth. He just touched a leper. And can you believe it? He touched a leper. <laughs> And he told the leper to go show himself to the priest and the leper was cleansed, made perfect. Maybe you heard about the story of Lazarus. Can you believe it? This guy was dead. He was his friend. He laid in his, in his grave for like days. Jesus came and all he said was, Lazarus, come forth, come out. And his friend came back to life. And then maybe you heard the stories like, can you believe it? Now this is where it really strikes Bartimaeus. Can you believe it? Jesus healed 
two guys that were blind. Here he is on the side of the road with all this knowledge, all this reputation of Jesus. Do you know Jesus still has a reputation today? And he's sitting there and he hears a noise and he begins to ask, what's going on? And they tell him, (laughs) Jesus of Nazareth is about to pass you by. I want to ask you a question. What would you do? I mean, what would you do if you were in his shoes? Yeah? Would you sit down there and say, oh, excuse me, excuse me, would somebody please go find Jesus and bring him to me? I mean, would you be kind? Would you be... That's not what he did, man. I like him. Verse 38, And he called out, saying, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy upon me. And those who were leading the way, who were in front of the crowd, probably the disciples, you know, leading the way and kept sternly telling him to be quiet. You know, it's always like that. Somebody gets turned on for Jesus. They get hungry for the presence of God. They get hungry for the touch of God. And people say to him, calm down, you know. Too much of the Holy Spirit will make you crazy. The bottom line is he's crying out and they tell him, be quiet. You know what he did? He got even louder. But he kept crying out. He kept crying out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Yeah? You see, I want to tell you today, the moving of the Holy Spirit has a lot to do with our hunger and the thirst of our hearts for him. You know, Jesus stood up on a great day, the day of the feast. Remember that? John 7, verse 37 through 39. He stood up and he began to shout out over the people, Is anyone thirsty? Let him come to me and let him drink. And the original goes like this. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and let him keep drinking. Yeah? So the key to, 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 to the presence of God is our hunger. And you know why? It's because... It's all free. You cannot buy it. And because what God has for us is free, and because we can't buy it, it falls under the principle of we must want it. Yeah? And blind Bartimaeus is an awesome picture of somebody that is desperate for Jesus. Because here's the truth. Desperate people do desperate things. Yeah? You know, in verse 40, I like the statement. And Jesus stopped and said and commanded that he be brought to him. Now, this is what drives me crazy because there's this whole crowd of people around Jesus. They all want what Jesus has. They're all looking to see the miracles. They're all looking to receive something from the, from the anointing that's on Jesus' life. Is that not true? That's why they're there. But that day, Jesus stopped. For who? 
<laughs> I like this. He stopped. I mean, there's all these people, they're blessing around him, they're pushing, they want to be in the front row. You know, when you, ever, you go to good meetings, you want to be in the front row. They're all fighting to be in the front row. Jesus hears this man on the side there. Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Messing up the meeting. The disciples are trying to get him to sit down and to be quiet. He's fighting them off. I don't know. Who knows? He wouldn't be quiet. Jesus, son of David. Jesus stops the whole thing and says, bring that man to me. I want you to know it's a powerful thing when Jesus stops and he looks at you and he says, come here. And then he asks you the same thing that he asked Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? I mean, hey, don't you want God to say that to you? Yeah? I mean, in, in his case, he was blind. But in your case, it might not mean that you're blind or you're sick or anything. It just might mean that, hey, God, I want to know you. I want you to use me. I want you to, to just to come and fill my life, to touch my life. It's not always out of need that we come to God. Sometimes it's out of hunger. But here's the interesting thing. I want Garth to be my blind Bartimaeus. I introduce you to blind Bartimaeus. Stand up. Now, he's blind and we'll make full Jesus. Because, Okay. Close your eyes. So they say, Jesus says, bring him to me. So the disciples go, you're full full you Jesus today. So the disciples come and they take blind Bartimaeus. You know, and, and Jesus is watching. The whole crowd's watching, of course. And he brings in, you know, Bartimaeus kicks a baby. The baby cries, bumps in into an old lady. Eventually they get there and they bring him in. I mean, hey, he's blind. The evidence is there. Jesus looks at him and says, What do you want me to do for you? <laughs> Thomas goes, Lord, I doubt you've been watching what's going on. He's blind. Peter says, I'm confused, man. Jesus, he's blind. It's obvious he's blind. What do you mean you're asking him, what do you want? Yeah? You know why? Jesus knew what he wanted, but he was looking for something. He was looking for what was in the heart. He was looking for that desperation, that hunger, that thirst, that drawing. Come on. He knew it. He says, I want to see my I want to gain regain my sight. Jesus says, Receive your sight. Fire, receive your sight. Open your eyes. <laughs> Open your eyes. Look at that. It's a miracle. He can see. <laughs> did, did you see it? Did you see it? What was Jesus was looking for that thing? Why did he stop? He saw something. Heaven recognized something in Bartimaeus. And it's no different today. It's no different today. I mean, I remember when I was in a, in a meeting, there was a church, about 800 people. And I was preaching and I got up and I said, I want five, five, only five. Desperate people for Jesus to come down to the front. I want to tell you something was a mistake, Phil. 
because all 800 wanted to be the five. <laughs> I mean, they fought each other off. There, there, there was a lady who was much younger than you, but she was in her 70s. You know, and she was, her hair had all curlers on her, and she figured, look, I'm going to be one of the five. I'll never forget it because she jumped over the stairs and she fought the young people down. I mean, she was like, she was pulling them down. <laughs> I said, there they go, man. They were fighting. I mean, they were, I, I thought to myself, this is, this is not good. We want you to be desperate. Don't, don't fight each other for, you know. But they fought it, but I'll never, I'll never forget the granny, man. She, she fought her way down the front. She, she took out about three young people and she ran down the front. And she, she saw she might not be... I mean, I would have told them, okay, if you all want it, all come down. But it was too late, you know. And she ran down there and she, she literally dove into the altar. <laughs> she came sliding down into the altar. And I thought to myself, my God, these people want Jesus. They're like Bartimaeus. Some of them, they didn't even get to the front before the power of God hit them. Because they were fighting and next thing, they out under the power of God. And I thought, isn't that amazing? So I tell you what, our, our desperation for God can connect with heaven. Come on. So my question to you is, how desperate are you for God to touch your life? Or are you satisfied? If you're satisfied, I want to challenge you. Get unsatisfied. Live in a place in your life where you are constantly satisfied with being unsatisfied. Amen? I'm telling you, God is amazing. God is amazing. I want to tell you a story about the time when I was in Costa Rica. What's the time? Five, I was in Costa Rica. It was way back in 93, 94. And we preached about three and a half weeks in the nation of Panama. You know where Panama is? By the Panama Canal. And uh, we just had to f fly across to Costa Rica, to San Jose, and just do five days of meetings there and leave. And uh, oh, thank you. That's wonderful. <laughs> Five days of meetings. And when we got there, we were late because the airplane was late and, you know, that whole, that whole mess. And so we didn't, get chance to, we didn't get chance to get dressed into special clothes or nothing. We just rushed from the airport straight into the church. And there's about close to 1,500, 2,000 people in this church. And so we walked in. We didn't get chance to greet the pastor. I didn't even know who they were. They just sat down and then they said, it's your turn. Because they've been singing songs, singing songs, singing songs, singing songs, waiting for us to come. So when we arrived, they said, your turn. So I said, all right. So myself and my interpreter, we climbed 12 steps. I counted them. They were 12 steps <laughs> up to the, up to the uh, pulpit area. But I want to tell you something. I, didn't, I did not feel stirred. I didn't feel anointed. Nothing. I'm just like, we're in the church, we're in the airport, we're in the church, we're up climbing the stairs, we're behind the pulpit, you know what I mean? But while I'm standing, climbing up the stairs, I just feel like a, like a heat coming upon me and things starting to come in. And when we come to stand behind the pulpit, I'm telling you, the, 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 the presence of God was so strong, myself and my interpreter, we could do nothing. 
we could just stand there, couldn't speak, couldn't move, but our eyes were wide open. Now, I, I thought to myself, I said, Lord, you could have at least allowed me to greet the people, to say, hi, my name is Vincent. I live in such and such a place and I'm married to my wife. I mean, I, I would have liked to have done that, but here I am. I cannot speak. They First time they've ever seen me, first time I've ever seen them, and this, this presence of God is all over us and we cannot, we're like stuck. Come on. We can't do anything. And I'm looking at them. I'm, you know how long it happened? Close to 30 minutes. That's a long time. I could see the pastor was looking aside at his at the bouncers. Maybe we should get him off the pulpit or something, you know. But I'm telling you what, about 20 minutes in, it was like the presence of God came in and started flowing over the people. And people began to shake under the power of God, fall out of the chairs, just weeping, laughing, all kinds of stuff. Eventually, myself and my interpreter, we started to shake and we just fell out. Great message, eh? We fell out. But when I came around, I mean, I actually fell out into the, to the drums. I mean, I just heard, I remember hearing cymbals flying and everything. But, but when I got up, I said, what, what's happening? What's happening? I looked at the altar and there were at least seven, eight hundred people lying under the power of God around the whole altar area. And I said, what happened? What happened? And they said, no. They said, they saw the manifest presence of God. Some people actually saw the manifest cloud of God's glory. I mean, I didn't see it, but they saw it. But when they saw what was happening, they realized God was there and they got up and they ran down to the front. It was just spontaneous. When they got there, it was, they said it was like, the moment they got to the front, it was like somebody was with an Uzi, you know. Because, because they just, people were getting healed, set free, asking God to forgive them of their sins. Repentance took place, spontaneous. You know, it was the best meeting I've ever had. And I didn't preach and I didn't see it. But I learned something. I learned that in God, in the presence of God, in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, amazing things are possible. Come on, amazing things are possible. I'll tell you one more story and then we're going to pray for some of you. I was in Germany and this Muslim man came into a church, into the church. He was Muslim, his whole family was Muslim, his wife, his kids, his mother, father, the whole, they were Muslims, practicing Muslim. What he was doing in the church, I don't know, you know. I think he worked for one of the people that was in the church. And we're busy preaching and the prayer time comes and he sees people getting touched by the power of God and all that. So he looks at this whole thing and he comes up to me and he says, is all this real? What is this? So I say to him, well, this is Jesus. He looks at me and says, really? I say, do you want to experience it? He's a Muslim, eh? He even said to me, I'm a Muslim. So I said to him, do you want it? Do you want to experience it? I said, you don't need to take Jesus into your life. Do you just want to experience it? He says, okay. <laughs> That's a wrong thing to say at the right time. So I say, all I said was in the name of Jesus. And you just saw the power of God coming and he starts to, sh to shake, I mean, violently under the power of God, weeping and he falls to the ground. After about five minutes of the shaking, he jumps up and he runs right out of the church. 
I said, well, here he goes. <laughs> that night, he comes back. But he comes back with his wife, his children, his cousins, his uncles, his aunts, his grandparents. I mean, the whole thing is there. All right? They come in. They come in. And they sit there. I do my preach. And when it comes to time, they jump up. They run to the front. I say, what do you want? Then we want to experience what he got this morning. <laughs> you know, we don't even have to lay our hands on them. The power of God just touched them. And at the end, I said to them, do you want to receive Jesus? You know what they said to me? Yes. Where do I sign up? How do I do it? So I want to say to you, the tough cases in this world is not hard for God to turn it around. Yeah? I mean, just last night, no, Friday night, we got a Hindu saved. She saw what God was doing. She figured, maybe I should do it. Came up, took Jesus into her life, and fell out under the power of God. Totally freaked out, but that's okay. She knows that Jesus is not dead. Amen? So here's the thing. It all starts with our hunger and our thirst for Him. When our hunger is there and our thirst is there, it is like dry ground calling for the rain. When the rain comes and we get soaked and we get saturated, then the dimension of the miracles, the dimension of the, 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 the mighty things of God are possible. I'm going to read you some testimonies. Some people got healed. There was a young girl was nine years old, mute from birth, never spoken. Can you imagine that? Nine years, never spoken. During the meeting, presence of God was there. She turned around to her mother and she said to her mother, Jesus is my Savior. The mother said, He's what? <laughs> what did you say? She said to her mother again, Jesus is my Savior, mom first time in nine years that she spoke. Think about that. Think about that. This is just like a month and a half ago. Another girl had a staph infection on her cheek. Do you know what a staph infection is? But it was a kind, it was actually almost like it was eating her, her cheek away. There was like a, a big hole like crate in her cheek. And when she came up, you could see there was a gauze across her face and you could see, you know, where the blood and the pus was coming through the I mean, it was horrible. So I look at her and she's there now. She's up there because she has a testimony. But I see the thing on her face. I say, well, what did Jesus do for you? She says, well, she said, I felt heat come on my face and Jesus has healed me. And she explains what was wrong with her. And I say, well, how do you know it? So she says, well, Jesus healed me. She says, well, show me. And she takes the thing and she takes it off her face. And I look at her cheek and I say, but there's nothing wrong with your cheek. Your cheek is totally normal. She said, exactly. I came in with the big hole, the big crater, and now my cheek's just normal. Can you imagine? God healed her and just recreated the whole thing. That's the other thing. I, this is amazing. A woman had a, had a hip replacement. Are there any people in the medical field here? Yeah? But what's an what's artificial hip made of? Now, you can't feel with that. Hey? There's no feeling here. So she's in the meeting, fire God comes on her, and she begins, that's the crazy thing, she begins to have feeling in her hip. 
Is that possible? <laughs> she begins to feel her hip. She begins to feel her leg. Now I said to her, man, I wish I could be with you when you go back to the doctors and they do an x-ray. I want to know what is inside your hip. <laughs> Don't you? I mean, what's happening? You can't feel with a titanium hip. And yet she starts to feel her hip. Don't you think that's a miracle? Come on. A woman with osteoporosis and her, her, her spine and, and was all was crooked and all the things. She could not, she could hardly walk, let alone walk upstairs. She walked up the stairs, she ran around for us and she actually jumped off the stage that was this high. Come on. Don't you believe that with Jesus anything is possible? All we have to do is go through the door of his and get into his presence. Once we're in his presence, anything is possible. We just have to believe. But one more and then we're going to start praying for you guys. There's a man in the meeting. His wife is pregnant, has an accident and lands up in hospital on a life support and the doctors tell him, your wife is a vegetable. Basically, she's dead. That's not good news. And we are going to switch off the machine the next day. He comes to the meeting. He tells nobody. He gets a prayer cloth prayed for, just general prayer. He goes the next day when they're switching off the machine. They switch the machine off, and as they switch the machine off, he throws the prayer cloth on it. You know what happens? Here's an amazing thing. You know what happens? They expect her to die, but she doesn't. She sits up. She says, she says, where am I? What am I doing here? And she's totally in her right mind. Come on. Do you believe that it's the same Holy Spirit? The same Jesus? The same God that is here this morning? And that he is so willing to touch you on my life. How many of you feel stirred? You're getting a little hungry, a little thirsty. Yeah. See, that's all that I'm trying to do this morning is get a big stick <laughs> and just not spank you with it, <laughs> but, but just stir your hearts that the Holy Spirit desires to touch you. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to make it a big, you know, hyped up thing. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit. And some of you are going to get touched right there where you are. Some of you might get touched when we lay hands upon you. Some of you might get in your car when you're going home and suddenly feel, my God, what's happening to me? But the point is, we believe. I believe. I know you believe that we are in a position here this morning. What's the date today? 15th of August in Tagara, Australia. God Almighty is about to touch our lives. Amen? Let's stand up. Raise your hands. And before you raise your hands, I want you to turn to the person next to you. We just need to get this issue out of the way. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, look, I am more beautiful than you.
So now that we have that out of the way, <laughs> you don't have to worry what they think because they already know you are the most beautiful one. <laughs> Raise your hands. Jesus! Jesus. Here we are, Tagara C3 Australia. And Lord, we just believe and we trust you for an, an explosion of, of your move, of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are your people and we are desperate for you. So right now, in the name of Jesus throughout this building, I just release the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon you. Right now, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit touches your life in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Now just begin receiving. Just begin receiving. Just begin receiving. Just begin receiving. Here's what I want you to do. When I prayed that prayer, if you felt something happen to you right now, you said, man, I felt something. I want you to make your way down to the front right now in the name of Jesus now pray one more time and then you do it Holy Spirit touch your people stir your people let your anointing fall upon their lives right now in Jesus name in Jesus name so right now, if you felt something happen to you, remember you are already the most beautiful one. Come. I want you to come to the front. The Holy Spirit touched you right now. Come, don't be afraid. I don't bite. I don't bite. We're just, we're just starting out with this and we're going to flow it over to in the name of Jesus. I just need some helpers, please. Some, if you've got some helpers. Father, these folks that came to the front in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just release your touch upon them. I thank you, God, that they experienced something, that they felt something, they know something has happened to them.